Can we please play Peter Gabriel over the Secrets of the Universe in your eye? What is it with you? I don't Peter know. Gabriel. I think oh, that, that is the solution to every humor oh. ever. Oh. <laughs> to Jesse and Gary talk about stuff. Hello, Jesse. Hello, Gary. How's it going? It's going well. And yourself? Good, good. good. I'm so happy to see you. And you as well. Because it is... April Fool's Day. Oh! (laughs) In fact, if you are listening to this one in the right order, you had an April Fool's Day prank played on you by the Jesse and Gary Talk About Stuff podcast And you team. are you are all welcome for the amount of hilarity that ensued. We laughed. I don't think anybody else would laugh. I don't think I don't think a lot of people actually get our sense of humor. I mean, I just don't think so. I was I was thinking about this a lot recently because Amanda, the Sheldon's worship coordinator, she just said to me actually yesterday. What is going on in your brain most of the time? <laughs> and I think that could be said for both of us. What, Probably. What we find funny, most people are like, that is just dumb. Yeah. That's dumb. Yeah. You know? Well, here's the uh, key, the trick to that. Have a son who has your same sense of humor. So my encouragement to you is have, have a son, a son gotcha. who has the same sense of humor. Because my boy Elijah, he'll pull some little jokes or something. And everybody else will be like, wow, that's not funny at all and i'll just be rolling on the floor because i think it's funny and we think it's funny together so right at least we got that going for us so the moral of the story is have a son i need to have a few steps before i get to that point i would encourage a few steps before that yes Yes, i would concur absolutely so so on this podcast we have a lot of fun because it's just gary and jesse talking about stuff but there is actually a purpose in our having fun. There is actually kind of a method to the madness. The first thing that we really hope happens through this is that you are presented to Jesus Christ, uh, that the idea of him as Lord and Savior of your life is presented to you, and that you hopefully have an opportunity to give him glory through this. Uh, what else do we do in this podcast, Jesse? What's yeah, the purpose? I, I think that was very well said. It's our hope to kind of uh, show who Christ is, presentation of the gospel, why we believe in what we believe, that kind of stuff. And then the second thing that we hope to get through is just kind of let you in a little bit of insight into uh, the life of your pastors, let you know a little bit more about us, um, realize that we're not all business and we're not always insane. We're somewhere in the middle sometimes. 
That's well um, said. Thank you. Yeah. And so it's uh, knowing God, getting to know us. And I think uh, another thing is we want to kind of invite you. We, if you're just listening, a first-time listener, or if you're a several-time listener, we always want to invite you to participate in the life of the church um, because we value the church. It's the bride of Christ. And this is our invite to say, welcome to the family. So, And it can kind of let you know what's going on. We'll do a lot of talking about what the last sermon was, what the next sermon is, uh, just kind of getting involved in the church a little bit. Maybe you were gone for a couple Sundays and you didn't catch our sermons. Uh, we're still working on, we're in the process of getting sermons uploaded correctly and well and all that kind of stuff. But this is sort of a thing to kind of tide you over a little bit too yep. so that you can at least know what the sermon was about yep exactly cool so with all that being said today is a special day because it is april 1 mm -hmm. and if you know jesse or myself that just gives us free reign to use our little sense of humor mm -hmm. because it's april fool's day it is april fool's day and one of the things that i thought would be really fun <laughs> is for us anyways to talk about any kind of April Fool's joke that sticks out in your mind, mm -hmm. whether that was one that you pulled on someone yep. or maybe it was someone that pulled a trick on you and you mm -hmm. thought that was funny. Actually, as we were talking a little bit, one came to my mind, but it's not technically April Fool's, but it's kind of like a ongoing prank that I wanted to add into the April Fool's folder, if you will. Okay. So should I start there and then you kind of get your mind going? I think so. Yeah. Okay. So I used to work at a, I uh, wonder if I should not say the name probably. <laughs> I used business. to work at a business and you actually used to work there as well. <laughs> and I found out that we actually worked there at the same time. Did we really? Uh-huh. Oh, all right. Yeah. So I didn't know that, but hmm. that was not the point of my story. Hmm. The point of my story was I had to log my, uh, conversations with the people that I was trying to sell this particular product to I had to mm. log it into the system and you would have to say like I talked to Joe and he's interested but he doesn't want to buy right now so the next time somebody calls him mm -hmm. they can read through my notes and they can kind of understand where I left the conversation off and all this kind of stuff right so I thought it would be really funny <laughs> to leave like little beginnings of a joke okay. on certain people's uh, notes and on their kind of transactions and all this kind of stuff. Right. And then not leave the uh, punchline of the joke in that note, but leave it on some other person's note. Well done. And so it was <laughs> one of those jokes where I feel like, where it's a progression kind of thing and right. I don't get to see it play itself out. But in right. my head, I know that like five years later, someone will read the punchline right. and it'll be hilarious. Be like, Oh, that was epic. Oh, and that was so good. It's half a decade later. Anything oh, that awesome. I feel like you have to like build anticipation for like that. Right. I feel like that's so great. That's funny. And no. so I had a friend that continued to work there after I left. And I'm aware of this business, so I wonder how they took that. You yeah. know, I know that it probably wasn't very funny in their nope. eyes. Oh, that's but great. he was still working there, and this was like ten years after I had worked there. Mm -hmm. And he said, "We're still trying to find <laughs> your punchline to your joke. Like we're still trying to clean it up. If nothing else, we're just trying to delete them all so oh. that somebody's not like on the phone and laughing because they see your little 
line oh. underneath there. Well played. Thank that, you. That is a residual joke right there. That's the word I'm looking so, for. I like those kind of jokes. See, me and my friends, we have like different senses of humor and we describe them differently. So uh, one of my buddies, he's got like, he's a very quiet person, but he's got great jokes. We call him the sniper. He's got the sniper sense of humor. Oh boy. We've got one friend of mine, just like yourself, who's like the slow-burning radioactive sense mm -hmm. of humor. I tend to have the shotgun sense of humor, which is just like, bam, in your face, it happens. <laughs> so my, my April Fool's, this, I feel terrible for this, but not really, because it's kind of funny. When I was like 19 years old, I got too tight of a shirt. Like, way, and I'm not a small guy for any of those of you who have ever seen me. I got way too tight of a shirt and, and some short shorts. And it was April 1st, right after school. And I basically busted in and just looked at my mom and went, Happy Mother's Day! <laughs> Wasn't even Mother's Day. And she just looked at me with this sense of horror and disappointment and shock. And I'm just like, April Fools, it's not Mother's Day. And she's like, I know, I'm so proud of you for knowing that. It was, it was wonderful. And how many times has she looked at you in that sense of anger, <laughs> disappointment, shock? Like, that's oh, just her resting face now. Right? And every time she looks at me, she's like, that, oh, that is my offspring. That's, that's, oh, so, that's, oh, that's so good. And as we've discussed, our mothers are saints, right? Oh, you know, man, to put up with us, yeah. To put up with us. We so. have got to have them on. Like, we were going to do a... Uh, yeah. Do a clip of having them talk to us. Yeah, we should pull them in one of these weeks. I feel like that'd be a really good that'd idea. Be a good idea. Transition. Transition. So we are in this Lent series as we talk about the days of the week of that Passion Week. Mm -hmm. It's been a lot of fun for me, um, and I assume it's been fun for you because. It, I think like zooming in on those days is something I don't think I've spent a lot of time on in particular, right. especially, you know, you think of Thursday, uh, that's kind of a big day. We celebrate the last supper. You think of Friday as a good Friday. You think of Sunday as Easter, mm -hmm. but just to kind of get the sense that there was a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like all of this set up right. for Easter, all of this set up for the last supper yeah that's kind of created like a, a waiting period and yeah. i think that's part of what we're trying to do right yeah it's definitely uh building the the sense of anticipation right, I think. There you Bu go. building almost a tension right towards right. towards what's uh ultimately going to happen on um thursday friday uh, saturday and sunday right and what I continually find fascinating throughout this process is like you, I've done some, I've done studies on it, obviously, but I've never gone this far in depth as to the week leading up to the day. Right. What I find fascinating is Jesus, not his lack of action, but his continual reaction towards things that are coming his way. And by that, that I mean, he's constantly faced with death uh -huh. in, in six days and five yeah. days and four days. And he's out there, and he's he's healing people, and oh, he's yeah. he's proclaiming the gospel, and he's turning over tables, knowing full well that in a few days he's going to die. So it's not that he's just sitting there lamenting and mourning. Right. Right. He's actually going above and beyond and saying, and still proclaiming the gospel every step of the way. Yeah, I mean, that's fascinating. I just think of if you know the day you're going to die, mm -hmm. leading up to that, you're doing as much as you can, probably in a selfish way, 
Yeah. Like, oh, I want to cross things off my bucket list. I want to do all of this stuff that I never right. had the chance to do. Right. And here we see a humble example of yeah. thinking of others. I think you said it absolutely perfectly there. The, the humility thinking mm -hmm. of, of others and, and God rather than self. Because I often equate Jesus in the last week being to the final week on a death row, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you've ever seen a documentary or know someone who's been on death row, that week leading up is just full of stress and anxiety. And this is going to happen. And what was me? And how can I prepare myself, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. That's not what Jesus did. Right. You know, he went out and he said, look, proclaim this. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to heal this. And, and I'm going to be anointed. And I all this kind of amazing stuff, total selfless, oh, you know, man. act on behalf of Jesus. So this past week was Wednesday. And as I was looking through it, Wednesday is kind of a weird day because for one, we don't know specifically that a lot of stuff happened, but we can kind of make assumptions of it was sort of a quote unquote off day of big events. Right. Yeah. So we know that the, uh, anointing happened on Tuesday. We know that the Last Supper happened on Thursday. And in between those stories in several of the Gospels, we have this uh, Judas agreeing to betray Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so as we were planning, we just kind of assumed that that was something that we could do for Wednesday. Yeah. But I don't know about you, but as I zoomed in on that betrayal, it became kind of this overarching story uh, I didn't zoom in too much just on Wednesday. I just kind of thought of what does this mean to the whole story? The fact that mm -hmm. Judas was betraying Jesus or that he agreed to betray Jesus. Mm -hmm. So which gospel did you use? Well, in Sheldon, we used uh, Matthew 26. <laughs> we focused on um, verses, specifically verses three through five, um, just about the Pharisees and Sadducees desire mm -hmm. to kill Jesus. And how that related to verses 14 through 16, which is Judas's desire to kill Jesus. And what I found fascinating as I kind of looked at that is I realized that the plot to kill Jesus was not just that one instance. If you go all the way back to Jesus' birth, Herod had a plot to kill Jesus. Right. 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 And we focused on that. If you go back to the Pharisees, I think it's Matthew 9, they, they, they say how much they hate Jesus. And then Judas, obviously, he hates Jesus. And what we focused on in Sheldon is all of those things throughout Jesus' life had one thing in common, which is effectively that people wanted to kill him, not just because of his theological beliefs, but and, and not kill him because of who he was, mm -hmm. that being fully God and fully man. But they wanted to kill him because he took away their authority. Oh, yeah, he yeah. took away their power. He was a threat. And so we really focused on the idea of Jesus being a threat to authority and control. And uh, how much do we have control over our own lives or like to think that we do trying to say, well, this is mine. I'm not going to give this to God. Mm -hmm. Right. And challenge the congregation to say, well, Jesus died to have control of your lives. He died to be your shepherd. So what do you have to give over to God that you haven't yet? Because you are acting as Judas being greedy with you, things you think are that are yours. And so, so that control word is a, a dangerous word almost in our, in our Christian faith too, right? Because I want to control parts of my life. I want to control what I do, what mm -hmm. I say, yep. giving up that control. Yep. The idea of this is mine, it's not oh, God's, and yeah. I, can, I, 
I have it, you right. know, and we don't. So what, what did you discuss over in uh, Orange City? Well, I was wrong. We did not do Matthew. When you said Matthew, I uh, assumed that that was the same one. But we did actually Luke 22. Gotcha. Um, I really especially focus on, I think it's like verse 3 of that chapter that says, uh, Satan entered Judas. Mm-hmm. And understanding how how tough that sounds like that's just that's bad news yeah in and of itself satan entered judas Mm -hmm. and recognizing how bad that was for judas for um for him being a part of what the whole group was for group dynamics even all that kind of stuff like how evil that must have been Mm -hmm. and then taking a step back from that and saying yeah, but wait a minute, that was all part of the plan. Right. That was all preordained. That was all under God's sovereignty. Yeah. And so then took a couple looks at when uh, John kind of starts his story. I get that some of the Gospels take a little bit different timeline and stuff. But John starts uh, pretty early mm-hmm. with a couple of quotes of Jesus saying, I know I'm going to be betrayed. Like, I know one of you is the devil. Yep. Uh, I know one of you is going to dip, uh, or I know my betrayer is going to dip his hand into the cup with me. That's all pretty early on. Yeah. And so my assumption there is Jesus knew that this was going to take place. Mm-hmm. He knew what was going to happen. And he still went through mm-hmm everything that he needed to go through and so then taking even a further step back one of the passages that jesus references comes from psalm from the book of psalms and it says uh it's like fulfilling the prophecy he says it fulfills this idea that yeah it was set up whatever 500 some years ago Mm -hmm. that i was going to have a betrayer Right. And I'm fulfilling the prophecy by having Judas in this group with me. Mm-hmm. And then taking another step back, God said way at the beginning uh, to the serpent, right? Like he will crush your head. Mm-hmm. And so he knew that there would be this whole process of mm-hmm. Judas being a betrayer. And so then to put that into our lives, whatever that mountain is, whatever that addiction is, whatever that struggle is. Yeah it's a part of this story. Like whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, it's a part of how God is redeeming me to be more and more like him. And then just, I was so happy because it got to, we got to include uh, Jacob, excuse me, Joseph in Genesis, uh, what you intended for evil, God used for good. I used that kind of framework to say his sovereignty is taking evil things and making good things out of them. Right. And how incredible that can be for us. Amen to that. I mean, it's always interesting to me when you, you know, as you said, Joseph, when we take the the scripture and relate it to some of the Old Testament passages, right? I mean, when we did, uh, yeah, this last Sunday, we looked at how the 30 pieces of silver that betrayed Jesus, they fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah 23 and, um, Zechariah, uh, I believe it's chapter 9, and then all the way back to Exodus, where the 30 pieces of silver was used to purchase, you know, to pay off a slave that had been killed. Mm-hmm. And to, uh, you know, for Zechariah to, that was his 30 pieces of silver was his daily wages. 
as a shepherd, mm-hmm. and then relating how Christ basically took the form of a slave in, in, in our sin and then was killed, right? And is our shepherd, right? Yeah. And seeing yeah. how he fulfills that. So God's in the details. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? Always is. Yeah. So, and so you referenced um, that thirty pieces of silver and a little bit of the Old Testament language in one of your devotionals mm-hmm. uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I believe it was. And all of the randomness that isn't random. Yeah. Like that's pretty incredible when you start peeling back the layers of that onion yeah. and you see that there is nothing random. There is no thing as a mm-hmm. coincidence. Nope. And so what I wanted to reference there, what I wanted to point people to was number one, there is an overarching plan that God continues to work through mm-hmm. when it comes to land and all that kind of stuff. Number two, if you're wondering a little bit, like, what is Lent? Uh, Why do you keep saying that word? Uh, Why is it a specific kind of season? Uh, Go check out the devotionals tab on our website for allwhothirst.com. And there's several, like, devotionals kind of descriptions of what Lent is and a little bit more of a help to do some personal study on that. Yeah. Yeah, But we thought it would be really fun to just going to zoom in on Lent itself and remind ourselves and remind our listeners why Lent, like mm-hmm. why, why even use that word? Why talk about that word? Mm-hmm. Uh, why observe it? Yeah. Because I think at its heart, it is a Christian, like for all evangelical Christians, but I think culturally, some people think it's really not that reformed of a thing. Right. And yet my argument would be it is. Yeah. We just kind of gloss over it sometimes. Yeah, I agree. I think that it, especially in our Western culture, when we think about Lent, what, what do we normally think of, right? We give up meat on Fridays, right. you know, right. which, which is understand if you're of the, of the Catholic tradition. I, I mean, that's completely that's understandable. What is, right? That's yeah. what it is, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I think that gets brought over into a lot of other traditions. Because we as a society, we, we focus on the symbolism rather than the actual meaning. Mm-hmm. And so what is the actual meaning of Lent? Well, if again, if you read on those devotionals, we kind of go into it. Uh, but the meaning of Lent is basically to, to quote-unquote, purify ourselves for 40 days. Mm-hmm. Because starting with Ash Wednesday all the way up until Good Friday and then uh, finally Easter Sunday, we are remembering the sacrifice that Christ did. And as we are remembering that, we don't want to just come in and say, well, that's a fantastic thing. We actually want to come before him with honor and with praise and thanksgiving for all that he gave us. Mm -hmm. A lot of that means a time of repentance and reflection um, and and study in the word and growing deeper in this season to just honor God for his ultimate sacrifice for us. So we spend 40 days intentionally doing that once a year. Because there's something special, I think, when you prepare for something, right? And so I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit can work through, hey, I just show up on Easter, I show up on a Sunday, and God can use that, and God does use that. Mm-hmm. But there's sort of a, a, a next level kind of thing when we intentionally say, hey, uh, for for the next couple days, I'm going to really focus on getting into a certain framework, getting into 
the right mindset so that I come on Sunday morning to church and I'm ready to have my heart be fertile soil. I'm ready to be moved by God. Right. And to multiply that even further, when we do that for 40 days, mm-hmm. Easter becomes a big deal, right? Because yeah. we're so prepared for it. Absolutely. As opposed to just kind of showing up and allowing him to do it at that moment. It's it's that old analogy, right? A birthday party is always better when it's prepared for as opposed oh. to just showing up with a bunch of balloons and hoping a part hoping a party happens. Right. 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 Um, it's always better to prepare. And not only is it better to, we should and thank God for the chance that we get to mm-hmm. because this is the most important day right. of the Christian year. Easter Sunday is the most important day. Christmas is important, absolutely. But Christ's death and resurrection is what ends up giving us hope. Because mm-hmm. if he was just to die, that means he wouldn't have conquered death. Right. But since he's resurrected, not only does he conquer death, but he takes the sins on of the world and relieves us of those sins through his conquering of those sins. Amen. And so why would we not give it all of our attention? Why would we not give it all of our preparation? Exactly. And I just have to say, once again, because Gary and I are both theology and and biblical nerds, it's fascinating looking back, seeing what significance 40 has. Right. You know, Jesus was tempted for 40 days out, out in the desert. Israelites spent 40 years in the wilderness, right? There's all kinds of Old Testament and even some New Testament allusions to the importance of spending 40 days, weeks, years mm-hmm. in preparation for getting to that proverbial promised land. Right, right. So this yeah. is our time to remember that. Even the, yeah, the, the desert walking, right, of mm-hmm. not just running right to Jerusalem, right, but kind of walking towards it kind of thing. Yep. He was preparing their hearts, and I think that's what he does through Lent. He prepares our hearts. So why would, answer me this then, um, why would I give something up for Lent? Like, why do I hear people say, I stop this, I stop that? Why would I give something up? Well, I think in in a way it's a form of fasting, right? Mm -hmm. So prayer and fasting are mentioned uh, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times in the Bible, and they're not separate entities prayer and fasting are often mixed with one another and fasting is the intention of giving up something so that when you are missing that thing you bring it before the lord in prayer Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's a way of a heart yearning for something but replacing that something with god amen yeah and so when we say okay well we gave up something for lent it's not just a tradition that we follow it's if i give up soda for Lent, say, every time I have a craving for soda, that is a way in which our body and the spirit reminds us to come before God, not only give that desire up to him in prayer for him to redeem that desire, but for us to say, I gave this up in order to focus more on you. And in doing so, we almost, to some extent, participate in the suffering of Christ to a very less extent. But but at least you get a glimpse of it. Exactly. Right. Yep. And I often say, I, I've used this a couple times this year even, I love it when people give something up, but my encouragement is fill it up with something good then. Because mm-hmm. we're actually warned a couple times by Jesus. So if a spirit leaves the house... Mm-hmm. and it's all nice and clean, what happens, yeah. another spirit comes back, 
and takes it over. And it's even worse than and that. And it's even worse. It, right? it wanders around. It says it wanders around in an arid place and right. then comes back seven times stronger. And so my encouragement for people is that is awesome. And I hope you are giving soda, giving sugar, uh, giving TV, up, whatever it is, mm-hmm. but fill it up with something good. Yeah. Fill up, like you said, if that craving reminds me to spend the next 10 minutes in prayer or uh, if I spend the time that I would have spent uh, watching TV now spending time in the word, then you're filling it up with something even better. Absolutely. So, I mean, Lent has, or excuse me, fasting has a lot of purposes. Oh yeah. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. we're giving it up in order to be holy. We're giving it up in order to kind of participate in, in a little bit of suffering so we can understand the magnitude of Christ's death on the cross. Mm-hmm. And even more than that, we are, we are giving up as a self self sacrifice, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, because the more we sacrifice to God, the more we can understand what he sacrificed for us. There's actually, I think I referenced it in our worship folder a couple weeks ago, but there's a, uh, uh, it's on desiring God, which mm-hmm. is kind of like the John Piper. He has all of his sermons and all that kind of stuff on there. Yep. On that website, there is a uh, fasting for beginners, mm. and I referenced. Uh, go check that out if you're interested. If you're thinking through, uh, and this is the incredible thing I think about our reformed faith is, reformed always reforming. Um, we hold these things, we hold these spiritual disciplines, and we say we're not slaves to these spiritual disciplines. And so, these are definite guidelines, but they're not you have to follow all 40 days. And so let's say you're listening to this today and you're like, Oh yeah, but I didn't start fasting 40 days ago or excuse me. Now it'd be like what? 20 days ago or so. Yeah. Start it today. Like just start. Yeah. It, it doesn't have to be like, Oh, if you don't do all 40 days and you can't fast at all, right. like just start today and, and read through that article, read yeah. through how do I start this process? That's an excellent point too about, Reformed theology, whereby uh, our Reformed theology is not salvific by right. nature right, right. in and of itself. We don't we don't ascribe to these specific uh, doctrines themselves as being salvific. Right. What and even fasting that that doesn't save us. Mm-hmm. Fasting does not save us. It's only right. Christ that saves us. But what fasting does is allow us through the work of the Spirit to become more in tune with Christ through the power of sanctification. It gets stuff out of the way. Exactly. I always view it as like, uh, if I'm trying to speak with him, if if we're sitting facing each other and more and more stuff keeps getting piled in the way, fasting would be, Hey, I'm taking a few of those things out of uh, our relationship so that I can see him clearer. Absolutely right. Amen to that. So all that being said, we got, um, this week is Thursday, yep. technically, on the uh, process of the sermon mm-hmm. series. Yep. And on Thursday, historically, Jesus had his Last Supper. Yeah. And so this is a big one. It's a big one. Very um, big one. Yeah. Which I thought was God's providence in a way of we always celebrate communion on the first Sunday. Mm-hmm. And yep. so how cool is it that we get to celebrate communion on the day that we talk about the last supper. Absolutely. Right. And so it's, isn't that awesome? It's, it's interesting, right? I mean, the, the, 
the thing that I always find about the Last Supper, and you'll you'll hear us talk about this more on Sunday, but the thing I always find fascinating about the Last Supper is the idea that even though Jesus knew he was about to betrayed, be betrayed, he still took time to eat and celebrate right with his people. Isn't that amazing? Like I, I just that always blows my mind. He, regardless of what he's about to face, not twenty four hours later, right? He still takes time to sit down with his people, and he's John says Judas himself, right? To sit down, right? right. Even the sinners and people were betraying him and say, "I'm going to share a meal with you." Isn't that amazing? That's incredible to me. For one thing, giving of yourself. Yep. For another thing, like I got a lot going on. I need to go <laughs> plan for this or right. something. Yep. No, I'm, I'm going to just sit and be with you guys. Yep. Even to the point, I'm always struck by this, and I'm wondering how it's going to come out in the sermon. I love the line where he says, I have eagerly desired mm. to have this meal with you. Yeah. And yeah. if we know Jesus, we know you don't take any of those words at uh, just face value, if you will. Right. Uh, there's more to what he says than just, yeah, I wanted to do this. Mm -hmm. But he eagerly desired, because I think that has a meaning of we're getting close, like yeah. it's almost over. I've eagerly desired this. And I think, like you said, he just likes being around them. Yeah. I think he just, just wants to be around them. Yeah, There's we, so much in there. Jesus is a relational God. He is a relational God. Amen. And I think a lot of times we forget about that. Yeah. Yep, yep. We, we focus a lot and deservedly so on God's sovereignty because mm -hmm. God is sovereign. But it always astounds me that that sovereignty came in the form of the perfect man, fully God and fully human, to spend time with us. Mm -hmm. So And so it's pretty early. It's Monday. Um, so hopefully the Holy Spirit will continue to work through what the sermon looks like. Mm -hmm. But I think for me in Orange City, I'm going to focus somewhat on that I've eagerly desired this to do this with you and something along the lines of something special happens when you sit down and eat with someone, mm -hmm. something vulnerable happens when you sit down and eat with someone. Like you're, you're letting them into your space. You're letting them in to what some consider a private space. Like eating is just, it's just something I do as nourishment. It's something I do. Right. And Jesus is letting his disciples into that. And he's letting us into that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just like the, the words of the, you know, at least uh, in, in Reformed tradition, the words of our respective communion orders are basically, look, we not only eat this meal uh, as to celebrate Christ's death and celebrate, more importantly, his resurrection mm -hmm. and eagerly await his coming again. We also celebrate it as a family. Right. You know, and I think that's the coolest part where it's it's fine to take communion alone, but we get to do this together with the understanding that Christ in his in his essence, his spirit is with us in that moment. Amen. You know, that's it's, it's so relational, like you said, is. relational. Yep. Yeah. So with all that being said, we are. Yeah, we're a long ways in. We're already. a long ways in already. All right. You should have some jokes. That was, that was all, like, really, really serious. That was really serious. What was wrong with us? I don't know. So should we start right now this next section? Because I guarantee you'll edit it. Should we start right now this next section with Peter Gabriel? Transition.
transition. I hope that Lent is a blessing to you as a listener. I hope that this helps you understand a little bit of what Lent is and what we're celebrating and what we're preparing for. Yeah, and and, and I know that, uh, you know, as Gary and I said, uh, that this this is a little bit more of a, a serious type podcast than normally you're listening to. But this it also kind of in a weird way fits because this is a serious time of the year. Mm-hmm. This is a very serious time of the year where we uh, we get to remember the sacrifice of Christ and as we talk about prepare ourselves for that sacrifice and ultimately get to celebrate that sacrifice because of the resurrection. <laughs> <laughs>